to Rereading Our Childhood, the podcast where we discuss the books that made us who we are today. I'm Mary Grace McGeehan, and my co-host Deborah Calvin and I are starting out the new year with a special episode about our favorite books from 50 years ago. In order to give ourselves enough books to choose from, we've defined 50 years as from 1972 to 1974. These years were toward the end of my years of childhood reading and in the peak years of Deborah's, and we've each chosen five books to talk about. In most cases, we haven't read the books recently, so unlike on our regular episodes, we're relying on our childhood memories. The format that we're using is borrowed from Book Riot, which is one of my favorite podcasts, and they did a great episode a while back about the top 10 bookish phenomena of the last 25 years, which I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And so the way it works is that Deborah starts out talking about her fifth favorite book, And then I say what my fifth favorite book is and talk about it and so on. And we haven't shared our lists with each other. So if it turns out that a book is on both of our lists, then we talk about it when the first person mentions it. So I hope that makes sense. And I'll do my best not to get confused as we go through. So Debbie, can you start out by telling us about your fifth favorite book? First of all, I just want to say it was really hard to say out of these five books, which was my first favorite, second favorite, et cetera. So So fifth favorite and first favorite, I liked them all a lot as kids. Okay, so fifth favorite is Nobody's Family is Going to Change by Louise Fitzhugh. We discussed Harriet the Spy in a previous episode, which is also by Louise Fitzhugh. And, you know, I loved Harriet the Spy so much and also The Long Secret. So I remember being really excited as a kid to read Nobody's Family is Going to Change. And in fact, this is one I recently reread to see what I thought of it now. And I enjoyed it this time around, too. It's about a family in New York City, and it focuses on the daughter, Emma, who's 11, and her younger brother, Willie. Emma wants to be a lawyer like her father, and Willie wants to be a dancer like his uncle, the mother's brother. And the father is very dismissive of both of their choices. And the themes in the book include race and gender issues, and there's a lot to talk about in it. And it actually would be fun to do a future podcast episode about it. Did you read that? I think I did, but I don't have very clear memories of it. So either maybe I didn't read it or I don't know, maybe I just didn't make an impression. So what are the racial issues? Is the family African-American? So the family, yes, they are. And so I think the father kind of sees the choices of a dancer as not appropriate for to be taken seriously as an African-American young man. And he doesn't see Emma's love for law as serious because Emma should want to be a wife and mother and not a lawyer. And so Emma gets involved in this effort, like this kid's army type of thing that wants to speak up for kids' rights. And she gets involved with this whole group. And, you know, in the end, they kind of I mean, not to give anything away, but, you know, they all have to sort of grapple with their family dynamics. And I think they end up maybe understanding one another a little bit better. You know, that doesn't sound at all familiar. So maybe I didn't read it, although I'm surprised. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I love Louise Fitzhugh so much. Harriet the Spy and the Long Secret. Yeah. It seems like something I would have read, but maybe I just didn't. Yeah. No, I mean, I remember like it came out and I was like, I really want this book. And I still have my copy of it from the. Oh, that's great. So my fifth favorite book is A Wind in the Door by Madeline Langle, which was published in 1973. And I have a feeling that that's on your list, is it? Well, it isn't, but I almost put it. Oh, okay. So I, I was 
It would have been probably if I had had six choices. Yeah. Okay. So then we can talk about it. So A Wind in the Door is the sequel to A Wrinkle in Time, which we discussed on the podcast a few months ago. It's the story of Meg Murray's efforts to save the life of her six-year-old genius brother, Charles Wallace, whose mitochondria have been attacked by evil forces called the Ekthroi. And as I mentioned on the episode about A Wrinkle in Time, I tried to reread it about 10 years ago, and I thought it was excruciatingly boring. I thought, this is not a good book. But I didn't enjoy A Wrinkle in Time very much that time around either. And then when I reread it for the podcast, I loved it. So maybe I was just in the wrong mood. So I'd love to give it another chance at some point. But I do remember how excited I was when A Wind in the Door came out. And A Wrinkle in Time was already a classic by the time I read it in the early 1970s. And it was exciting to have a new book about Meg and her family. I mean, when something was published so long ago, you don't think there's going to be a sequel coming along. And there were other books about people in the Meg Murray world because the Madeline Langle, her whole group of children's books and even adult books, you know, a lot of them are in the same world. But an actual sequel to A Wrinkle in Time was a long time coming. And at the time when I read it back then, I really loved it. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading them and also that, like we talked about in our other episode, the Vicki Austin books. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they all sort of blur together in my mind, except for A Wrinkle in Time itself. So that's probably why I didn't pick it to put on the list, because there were so many of them that I couldn't really remember that well enough, that one particular book. Mm -hmm. But I do remember... I love sequels in general and, you know, just kind of finding out more about the characters. So yeah, they were great. They were great books. So Debbie, what's your fourth favorite book from 50 years ago? So my fourth favorite book is A Billion for Boris by Mary Rogers. Is that on your list? Yes, it is. Okay, I thought it might be. So A Billion for Boris is the sequel to Freaky Friday. It's by Mary Rogers. And we talked about Freaky Friday in a previous podcast episode. This book also features Annabelle Andrews, her brother Ape Face, and their neighbor Boris. And it also includes a magical element, in this case, a device that predicts the future. And the kids get caught up in various escapades. And it's a lot of fun. I remember reading it again and again as a kid. What did you think of it? Oh, I loved it too. And, you know, very similar to A Wind in the Door. It was a book that was a sequel to a book that I loved. And it came out at about the same time. And I think I mentioned this in the Freaky Friday podcast, but my friend and I were so excited and we went and we bought it in hardback and we loved it. Yeah, I still have my hardback copy. I do too. I have it right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the thing is, when we reread Freaky Friday, I remember that I wasn't a big fan of Boris, you know, the love interest of Annabelle's. Right. And then I remember in this one, like, okay, so there's this TV that tells, like, it shows the shows from the next day. So then Boris convinces Annabelle, Annabelle wants to use it to help people. And Boris says, no, let's use it to gamble on racehorses. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, he had some like not really horrible reasons for wanting to do this and get money. He wanted to, you know, help Mm -hmm. his mom, but that doesn't really thinking about that. Maybe I'm still not as, I wouldn't be as much of a fan of Boris in that book, 
but I loved reading it. And it was so exciting to have a, a new book about Annabelle because that cast of characters and that voice and that New York world was just yeah. one of my favorite yeah. places to be as a reader. Oh, definitely. Now, I remember like getting the hardback book and just being so excited. And yeah, I know I, I loved it. Yeah. What was your next book? Okay, so my fourth favorite book is Dinky Hawker Shoot Smack by M.E. Kerr, which was published in 1972. And so I think we've discussed this. I don't think you've read that. Is that right? I just can't remember. You know, the title's very familiar to me, and I honestly don't remember if I read it or not. So I remember the atmosphere of this book much more than I remember the details of the plot, which I had to look up. The story is told from the point of view of a boy, a 15-year-old boy named Tucker, who has just moved to Brooklyn Heights. And then he meets Dinky when she adopts his cat. His father has become allergic to this cat, so Dinky gets his cat. And so they get to know each other through that. And Dinky's this intelligent and moody girl whose mother works with teenage drug addicts, but doesn't pay much attention to her own daughter, who's very troubled. And so the title comes from an episode when Dinky spray paints Dinky Hawker shoots smack all over the neighborhood to embarrass her mother. And shooting smack means taking heroin. And so Dinky Hawker does not shoot smack. There's not any drug use in this book other than, you know, that the mother works with these addicts. So I mean, the title's kind of misleading because it makes it sound like a book that's about drug addiction, which it isn't. Dinky is kind of like an older version of Harriet the Spy. I mean, she's that same kind of gifted but troubled and, you know, has this kind of dark view on life. And I just learned when I was doing the research for this episode that Emmy Kerr, whose real name was Mary Jane Meeker, wrote the book at the suggestion of Louise Fitzhugh, who wrote Harriet the Spy, that they were friends. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and um, Mary Jane Meeker wrote a lot of different books under different pseudonyms for different age groups, but this was her first sort of young adult book, and it was a real breakthrough. It was a huge bestseller among uh, children's books, and then I read a lot of her other books, and... I really like, I mean, some are better than others, but she's an amazing writer. I mean, she just is such an honest writer about what it's like to be a young person. I definitely would like to do a podcast episode about Dickie Hawker shoots smack sometime soon. Yeah, I just can't remember if I read it. And that doesn't really sound familiar to me when you described it. So that would be good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what was your third favorite book? So my third favorite book is called Victoria by Barbara Brooks Wallace. And it's about two girls named Dillis and Victoria. And it's told from Dillis's perspectives. They're sent away to boarding school and they're kind of friends, but Dillis is very shy and anxious and Victoria is very bold and charismatic. And Dillis is in awe of Victoria and they're put into a room with two other girls and Victoria involves them all in a secret club and things don't end well. This is another book I read over and over as a kid and I love books about boarding school and this novel deals with dynamics among preteen girls and I found it completely fascinating. Did you ever read that? I don't think so. I remember reading a book with a girl named Dillis in it, but nothing that you said Uh about this book sounded familiar. So I don't think that I read this one. And I don't remember hearing about that author at all. Did she write other things that you read? 
She did write other books, but I'm not sure that I read them. Oh, okay. But for some reason, I still have my copy of Victoria, and I don't even remember how I knew about it. It may have been sometime when I was, you know, like, oh, let's go to the bookstore and you can pick out a book because you have some money from family for a holiday or birthday or something. And it looked intriguing to me because it was about girls at boarding school. So I don't even remember getting the book, but somehow I had it. And I know that I read it multiple times and uh, just really enjoyed it. Oh, that's great. You know, so, another thing yeah. that just struck me is that we probably like, what bookstore did you go to when you were a kid? Oh, a lot of different ones. Where did you go? Well, a lot of times I would go to, was it called Discount Book and Records in like yes. Chevy Chase? Yes, I went there too. Yeah, I used to go there a lot because we would go to Bethesda and my mom would just drop me there. And I always had this feeling that like maybe like we could have seen each other as children, even though we, we didn't could know have each been other. in that bookstore. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I was in that bookstore all the time. Some of these books I kind of remember getting in that yeah. store. But this Victoria, when I, I don't have a memory of how I got right. it. But yeah, no, that was a store that we were in very, very frequently. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my third favorite book was Glory in the Flower by Norma Johnston, which was published in 1974. And it's the story of Tish Sterling, who's a sensitive 14-year-old girl living in Yonkers, New York in 1901, and her friends and family. Glory in the Flower is the second of four books about Tish. The first one was called The Keeping Days, and Glory in the Flower was my favorite. And it presents an honest view of adolescence, including Tish's struggles to deal with her attraction to her boyfriend and the teenage pregnancy of another character. And I read the book when I was about Tish's age, and I wanted to live in that world. And Glory in the Flower and other books in the series were one reason that I'm interested in the early 20th century, which, of course, is an interest that I explore on my blog, My Life 100 Years Ago. So I remember recommending this book to you when we were in our early 20s. So do you remember reading it? It sounds familiar to me, and I don't know if it's from you talking about it or that I read it, but that's so amazing that, like, that interest of that time period carried through to your creating this incredible blog about what happened a hundred years ago. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was just something about it. Like Tish's father runs a stenography school. I guess the parents both run this stenography school. And there was just something about, I can't even describe it, but there was just something about this world that really intrigued me and that Tish is, you know, she's living in a very traditional kind of, you know, it is 1900, 1901, but at the same time, she has this idea of things that she can do and she wants to be a writer. And um, anyway, I just really loved it. Well, we should do a podcast. Oh, we definitely should. That would be fun. (laughs) So what was your second favorite book of 50 years ago? Okay, so my second favorite book was The Genie of Sutton Place by George Selden. Selden's most famous book is The Cricket in Times Square, but I always like The Genie of Sutton Place better, and it involves a boy named Tim who's a recent orphan. He had led a bohemian life in Greenwich Village with his father, but he's now forced to live with his Aunt Lucy in another part of the city that's more posh and sort of regimented. You know, so many books that 
both of us right as kids are set in New York City. And, you know, this one also has some magic in it. In this case, he comes across a spell that releases a genie from a carpet in a museum in the city. And the genie gets him into all kinds of adventures. And Tim's dog, Sam, also plays a key role in the book. This is another one where I don't remember exactly how I even heard about this book, but I loved it. And I read it again and again. And I don't know if like today, there would be a lot of sort of things that, you know, we discussed that are problematic because of the idea of a genie Mm -hmm. and all that. I don't know how, if all of it would come across the same way today, but I just remember really enjoying it. It's very witty and very wry, and there's a great sense of humor in it. Did you read it? I don't think I ever did. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but it sounds like the kind of book I would love. So I don't know why not. It's always very strange when you think back on like why there would be these gaps in your childhood reading. Because I think I heard of A Cricket in Times Square, and I think I heard of this one as well. But I don't know, maybe because I was older or whatever the story was, but I don't think I read it. So this would be another great one to do a podcast on. Absolutely. So what was your second favorite book? My second favorite book was A Billion for Boris, which we've already discussed. So I guess it's time for you to tell me what your favorite book was. Okay. And again, it was very hard to distinguish between the fifth favorite and the first favorite because I love them all so much. So this book, Mary Grace, I mean, if it's not on your list, I'm really surprised because you've told me how much you loved it. A Proud Taste for Scarlet and No, I can't believe I forgot it. So this book is about Eleanor of Aquitaine. It's another one where I remember when it came out and I was really excited to read it. And it's like the only one of these five that I don't actually have a copy of because I guess I got it from the library. But I think I read it when I was maybe in sixth grade or so. And I was completely fascinated by Eleanor of Aquitaine and her family you know, I was always really into like history and British kings and queens as a kid. And I was a big masterpiece theater fan. And so this book just really hit the spot for me. And I know it did for you too, because Mm -hmm. we've talked about it before. I loved that book. I love that book so much. I can't believe that I I didn't put it on my list, but I'm kind of glad I didn't because now we get to talk about it anyway. And I got to have whatever book wouldn't have been on my list if I had picked that one, because I definitely would have. So This was another one. I still have my hardback copy from when I was a kid. And my friend and I love this book. We talked about it all the time. And actually, I started, I think, the. I mean, definitely the first adult biography I read was of Eleanor of Aquitaine because Uh I love this book so much and I wanted to learn more about her. And I was like, you know, 13, 14, and I just got some fat biography of her out of the library And when I was in graduate school, I was in a public policy program, but I audited an undergraduate course on French medieval literature because that was something I was interested in because of Eleanor of Aquitaine. So that's an interest that really sort of went through my whole life. So we'll definitely, definitely have to do an episode on that at some point. Yes, we will. Absolutely. So let's hear your number one book. My favorite book of 50 years ago was The Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper, which was published in 1973. So, Debbie, did you read that? I don't think so. Okay. This was the second book in the Dark is Rising series. And I see now that four of my five books were the second book in a series. 
This yeah. makes sense because it's always exciting for kids to return to characters that they loved the first time around. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I read The Darkest Rising before I read the first book, which was Oversea Under Stone. And that book was published in 1965, and it featured a different set of characters. So The Darkest Rising is a story of Will Stanton, who's an English boy who discovers on his 11th birthday that he is one of the old ones who are destined to join the battle to save the world from the dark. And that will sound very familiar I'm sure because that's basically how Harry Potter starts, that he discovers on his 11th birthday that he's, well, he gets this invitation to go to Hogwarts. Yeah. And I read an interview in The Guardian with Susan Cooper where it said that she's gracious about J.K. Rowling's debt to her. Oh, Yeah. So The Darkest Rising takes place around Christmas and the action shifts between Will's magical adventures and his family life. And he's on this quest to find these round sort of medallions. And they're wood, bronze, iron, water, fire, and stone. And he goes on a different adventure, increasingly scary to find each one. I also, even more than the magical parts, I love the depictions of Will's family. And I was wondering, because sometimes you think something, and I've reread it as an adult, but you know, sometimes you go back to something and it doesn't measure up as from an adult perspective, but I read the first chapter a few days ago and it's amazing. I just love the description of Will and they live in this rural setting and all the people that are around and all their chores and everything. No, that sounds Yeah, it is really good. This was by far the best book of the series. And the first one was about people that aren't magical And then the other ones, I mean, it's hard to tell because I was getting older. By the time the last one was published, I was 17 or something. The Greenwich, which was the one after this one, was very good. But I felt like the series kind of went down in quality as it went on. But it's it's amazing. But how are they a series? Like, what was the connection among the books if they didn't have the same characters? After the first one, it did have the same characters. Yeah. And the characters from the first one, I think, come back into the rest of the series, although I may I may be wrong about because it's been a long time since I've read them all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Wow. Now, this is great. I mean, I've really enjoyed this, like going over all these books. And I feel like now I have some to try to read that I never read as a kid. Yeah, me too. I thought there would be more overlap, but I guess A Billion for Boris was the only one that we both had on our list. Yeah, that's surprising. Because I really thought you would have a taste for Scarlet and Miniver on your list. Yeah, just somehow, somehow I overlooked it. It's like looking at books from that (laughs) time. And I'm also fascinated by the variety of books that we read. There's a little of everything. There's comedy and fantasy and historical fiction and Dinky Hawker shoots smack as sort of acerbic social commentary. So, I mean, it just shows yeah. you about not just the quality, but the variety of children's books from yeah, that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so since we already talked about 1974, we can't do this again next year, but maybe we can talk about our favorite books from 60 years ago. Absolutely. Let's do yeah. that. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating or a review, which will help other children's book lovers find us. You can find Deborah's author interviews at debracalbooks.blogspot.com. And you can find my adventures in the early 1900s at mylife100yearsago.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.